0: Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and the world of the Fae. We are now on S and we are on Seely. A Scots word with a variety of spellings, particularly S-E-L-Y, and meanings including lucky, happy, blessed. The adjective is applied euphemistically to fairies in Scotland. McNeill uses this term in relation to the Scottish fairies, calling them both Seelie court and guide wigs. Court in this sense meaning a group or company and wicks meaning beings. Seelie fairies are those who are benevolently inclined towards humans and likely to help around homes and farms. It should be remembered though that they are as able and likely to cause harm as any fairy. The use of the term Sealy in relation to fairies dates back to at least the 15th century in Scots and can be found in a book from 1801, in The Legend of the Bishop of saint Androis And it says, "Uncalling of queen of fairies, That I will win year to enf me cares, Through all braid I'll echo ye bine, On horseback a hollow. Which is not English at all, so, kind of hard to understand and read, but anyway, in English, one woman of Queen is fairy and ill gotten goods to elfin carries. Through all broad Scotland, she has been the horseback on Halloween and always in seeking certain nights, as she says, with our sealy rites. That's what it is <laughs> Um, in English, anyway. <laughs> And next, it only seems fair that we go to the Sealy Court, and this is one of the two main courts of fairy found in lowland Scottish folklore. The Sealy Court was likely originally a euphemism for all fairies, and only later came to be seen as a distinct grouping of kindly inclined fairies. As a group of fairies, the Sealy Court appears in Scottish folklore, especially in the lowlands, as a general term for all fairies, and is specific for a group of more kindly inclined beings. The term Sealy here is related directly and strongly to their temperament, with Jameson calling it the Pleasant or Happy Court, or Court of the Pleasant and Happy People. It's important to remember in context that in Scots Court can mean either a Royal Court, as well as a group or company of people, and we see the term used both ways when applied to Sealy. There are clear references to a Queen of the Seely Court, That's also been seen in the ballad of Alice and Gross that we've already done, where there are, a you know, it's a queen that stumbles across a mortal man, and cursed into the shape of a worm, etc. So they are about. The Sealy Court is usually considered to be more benevolently inclined towards humans, and won't cause harm without a reason or warning. They should not be interpreted to mean that they are harmless, however, as they did retaliate against those who wronged them, and were as mercurial and sometimes cruel as any other group of fairies. They were also as likely to, as any other fairies to engage in activities like stealing the substance from crops or taking people. As early 19th century poem The Ballad of Lady Mary or Craig ties a sealy court to the kidnapping of a human woman by a man of fairy. Exactly what kinds of fairies may be included in these ranks of the Sealy court may be debatable, although those beings who are usually helpful to humans would be logical. The term is also used in a euphemism sense and to reference all fairies. Next we go on to Selena Moore. Selena Moore is a folk tale from Cornwall which exhibits several common motifs from fairy law, including the humans becoming fairies changelings and escape from fairies, as well as some unusual aspects. The story is related in the late 19th century book of Cornish folktales and begins by describing an area of land in Cornwall, since Tamed, which was once an expanse of wild moorland and swamp. One year round the autumn equinox, a certain man, a middle-aged bachelor, named Mr Noy, was heading home from the public house when he went missing and was gone for three full days. The entire population of the area searched for him, but no sign was found, until on the third day some men heard the sound of Mr. Noyes' dogs and horse, and tracked him into the hedge of the swamp where he was found, sleeping in a ruined building. When they woke him, he was confused and thought it had been a day that he disappeared, and moreover there was a great distance from his home although he was within a mile of it eventually he related to his neighbours that he had tried to shortcut through the moor after leaving the pub at night he was last seen actually there and in doing so though he found himself inexplicably travelling in a strange and unfamiliar place full of trees quite unlike anything in his local area Wondering for a long time he had finally heard music playing and thought to follow that to seek help. He saw lights through the trees and heard people and thought it must be some more farm folk celebrating harvest time. But his dogs and horses refused to go further so before proceeding he tied the horse to a tree and left the dogs there with it. When he reached the clearing Mr. Noy saw a group of what he described as undersized mortals with tables and caps set out that were all made of the size of the people. Among them he saw one person his own size, a young woman who was playing music for the gathered group to dance to, and who at times would break off to go into the nearby house and bring out more drink to refill the cups with. The music was so enchanting that Noye stepped forward to join in, but seeing him, the young woman caught his eye and gestured instead for him to follow her back into the orchard, handing off her instrument to an old man near her, once in the trees, now recognised her as Grace Hutchins, his own sweetheart who had died several years previously and had been buried in the local churchyard. Grace explained that she had stopped him because if he had joined the dance, then he, like her, would be trapped among the fairy people and when he moved to embrace her, she stepped away saying, Embrace me not, nor touch flower, nor fruit. "'for eating a tempting plum "'is this chanted orchard "'was my undoing.' "'She goes on to tell him "'that while everyone thought "'she had died on the moor, "'it was a changeling "'that had been buried in her place, "'and she, as far as she knew, "'lived on trapped "'among the fairy people. "'She went on to tell him "'how she had gotten lost "'on the moor one day, "'trying to follow him. "'After that she found herself wandering, wandering to a strange place full of roses and high walls with fruit hanging ripe and full around. As she told him, the music, too, seemed very near at times, but she could see nobody. Feeling weary and athirst, she plucked a plum that looked like gold in the clear starlight. Her lips no sooner closed on the fruit than it dissolved the bitter water which made her sick and faint. She then fell on the ground in a fit, and remained insensible. She couldn't say how long. Ere she awoke to find herself surrounded by hundreds of small people who made great rejoicing to get her amongst them, so they very much wanted a tired girl who knew how to bake and brew, one that would keep their habitation decent, nurse, and changed children, that weren't so strongly made as they used to be, for want of more beef and good malt liquor, so they said. She had lived like that in the ensuing years, and had come to believe that these fairy people had once been mortal like herself, but were now only shadows slowly dissolving. She told him they had neither hearts nor feeling, and that everything in their life, including all the tempting food, was merely illusion, and she also said that these fairies were not Christians, but instead worshipped the stars. She did say, however, that the small people were very kind to her, and that she was adjusting to a new life, later even telling Noy that while he would leave, he could that night, if he wanted, join among the fairies. Later, if he so choose to, he could return home. She said that some among them took the form of goats in order to steal a goat. That was in milk from a flock to feed the changeling children. And when Noi questioned her, she told him that the fairy people had both human children they had taken, and some rare children born to them, saying, They are fond of babies and make great rejoicing when one happens to be born amongst them, and that every little man, however old, is proud to be thought the father. For you must remember... They are not of our religion, said she, in answer to his surprise look. But star worshippers, they don't always live together like Christians and turtle doves. Considering their long existence, such consistency would be tiresome for them. Anyhow, the small tribe. Seven and more. Well, they all seem to think so. Grace told Mr. Nye that she was in the habit of coming to watch over him in the form of a bird, and that her love for him was eternal. Then she was called back among the fairy folk to serve another round of drinks, and Nye, thinking quickly, pulled a glove from his pocket, turning it inside out and cast it down, at which point he felt a blow on his forehead and fell asleep. His neighbours were sceptical, as much of what he had heard and that he had repeated it, it was well known in local fair law, but the experience changed him greatly, and he died within a year after falling into a depression, pining for grace. William Bothrell, in recording this tale, notes that it is strokingly some similar to another local folk tale, featuring a farmer named Richard Vingo, and it goes on, you know, about the same sort of similarities in the story and such like. Because there is a lot of stories like that um, out there of the fairy and people going missing or disappearing. And apparently it's because the fairies have taken them. When they reappear it's because they managed to find the way back etc. The next is Selkies. The Selkies are fascinating ocean fairies. They are indeed. They can take the form of human or seal. They're called Run or in Irish, Selkies, Silkies, Selches in Scotland, Shetland or Orkneys. The name is derived from the Scottish word Selch, is self drawn from Old English seal, all meaning seal. The Irish word Run also means seal. Their folklore is fairly consistent across any area, although there are some slight variations. For example, Example, Orkney Selkies are known to have some ability at prophecy, gentler and more forgiving than their Scottish counterparts. Selkies are also one of the kinds of fairy who are very intertwined with the human, making Selkie lore slightly more prominent, particularly in coastal areas. Selkies in their seal form are indistinguishable physically from ordinary seals, except for their eyes, which are unusual and expressive. In the human form, they were noted to have dark hair and eyes, and folklore differs on whether they appear to be exceptionally attractive or ordinary. The key to the Selkie's ability to transform was its seal skin, which were both part of fairy and also separate from it, making it both a source of power and of weakness. In some Scottish folklore it's claimed that the human form is the Selkie's true one, and that the seal form is only assumed with magic. Without the seal skin, the selkie could not transform into the seal shape, and in its seal form, according to some folklore, if the skin was damaged or forcibly removed, the selkie would die. In the folklore of the Orkneys, the selkie's shape-shifting is somewhat limited, with some tales claiming they can only come ashore in human form on Midsummer, and others that they must wait seven or nine days in the sea before returning to land again. Oakney folklore offers a few explanations for the origins of Selkies. From a more Christian perspective, it's said that they may be the angels that fell into the sea when God was expelling the rebellious angels from heaven, while other stories say they are the souls of drowned humans or those who have committed wrong and they've been condemned to that form as a seal of punishment. Selkie stories generally feature either the fairy wife theme with a Selkie wife compelled to a mortal husband's side, or a variation of the Lian and Sihi. motif with human and Selkie coming together in a more voluntary manner. The latter type of story is somewhat less common and tends to involve male Selkies and female humans. Some scholars interpret Selkie stories in a way that views the male Selkies as more noble and the females as more emotionally driven, but that is an oversimplification. There's many tales of Selkies and how they take, is you know, either the Selkie will take a human bride or a human husband that comes into it. But I'm sure we'll be able to actu- actually <clears throat> tell some tales regarding the Selkie at some point because it's something that I would like to do since I've, I've not done that yet. Um it would be interesting indeed. Next we are on the C he. It's also spelled C I C I D H C I T H C I S I D H E sorry. So it is spelled S-I-D-H-E, C but it can be spelled S-I, S I D H or S I T H, but it's pronounced she the Irish word meaning either fairy mound or used in objective to indicate meaning a fairy has a quality to it. We see it used in older material to indicate a person of the sea or she, or in compound words like bien, she, he. Fairy women in modern usage, it also has become something of a slang term for fairies themselves, shortened from the e of he, the deon sihi. Both mean people of fairy hills. Many of the sea in Ireland are the locations of older archaeological sites, often burial mounds. Some people speculate that this is the source of the connections between the fairies and the dead, although the subject is rather more complicated than that. Other names for a fairy hill besides sea include Wrath and Leos, both terms for old iron age hill forts that have also taken association with fairy hills and fairies in a more general way of course, not necessarily in a full way. Sibylia. Sibylia is mentioned as being both the empress and princess of all fairies to whom all of us are servants. She appears in two grimoire rituals that I know of. One is an ancillary Capacity merely referenced as having dominion over other fairies, while in the other she is invoked into a candle flame to reveal the truth and answer questions put to her. Brock and Raiswell mention that she may be invoked along with Milia and Achilia, reflecting a pattern sometimes, seen of using alternative names. It's like that you get with everything, you know. Um, There's... I guess different thoughts about that, etc. It all just depends. But as a general rule, yeah, it's true. There's, the names can get mixed up. Not only can the names get mixed up, but it, you can find that it's been twisted and changed through time, I suppose. So that's where sometimes confusion comes in because you think you're talking about something different but if you actually research it and you just keep going back and keep going back you find, "Mm, wait a minute, no. It's the same but the name changed. And that's a common thing we see through history. I'm going to leave this part here for now guys but we are not finished with the S's. We'll continue when we come back. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fae. Please hit that like share if you can and also if you've not yet subscribed please consider doing so. Many blessings.